Morning, everybody. Am I on? How you doing? Good. You guys put the lights on bright, so I can't see you. I want to see you sleeping and not paying attention. And so I'm here because you have needs and are in trouble, apparently. So I will try and help you with all those things this morning. So now that's not why I'm here. I'm here because we have a great friendship with uh, the Moynihan family. They, we have a long history with them. Some of you I've known even longer than them from Walnut uh, Chapel days. And uh, we're not really here to tell sentimental stories, but I am grateful for the journey that you and I and our kids have walked with Southlands. Not all the bits and pieces. Uh, Southlands planted our kids into Australia. Thank you so much for doing that. Now we live in America and they're there, so that's hard and we miss them. But we're grateful they're on a journey for Jesus and it was a, the right thing that Southlands did. Some of you are looking like, I'm not sure. Is he making a joke or is he being serious that we're horrible people? No, no, I'm making a joke. They were sent on the King's mission. They're doing fantastic, Mark and Nass. She just qualified as a nurse, which is a big deal, four-year degree as a, a mom of a whole bunch of kids. And um, yeah, so we have history, and it is a great privilege to be here this morning with you guys. And obviously, whatever I share, I submit to your eldership team. They're the ones who um, make sure that truth comes into this community, and uh, hopefully that's what happens today. So... We, um, I don't know what it was like for you the last 18 months or so, but I did not enjoy it that much. And I mean, I did watch what went on in California, and it seemed pretty hectic and crazy, and uh, trying to elect new governors. I didn't really understand much of it, but us it was pretty hectic as well. Uh, I don't know what your eschatology is. Some of you may believe in the rapture. Some of you may believe in a whole different thing. I definitely believed in the rapture because people just vanished and we've never seen them again. I'm hoping they're in heaven. But I knew some of them. I'm not sure if they qualified for getting to that place. But man, there is a king still on the throne. I heard one of the things that was said this morning that Kelly apparently says a lot is we were born for such a time as this. And I do really believe that with all my heart. Even those, those of us here who are older and some who are really, really old, we're still here because we are here for such a time as this. And I'd like to try and help us with that this morning. You're in a, a context, I mean, I don't know the area well, but it looks like very varied in, in the kind of people who live here, um, all sorts of different economic stratas and all the rest of it, different race groups and all that. It's fantastic. Uh, how could we do anything in this area? You were given this amazing building. I do get jealous every time I come here because we have to hire buildings still. But one day, one day, God's going to do something and I'm going to get Kelly to come and preach at our building and just to show you there's a God that does look after all of us. So this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about love. So, oh, Tom, love. We know about love. Well, I'm not sure. I can know everything about marriage but not have a good marriage. I can know everything about God's love and His love for me and how I'm meant to bring His love to others but not be doing any of that. And so I'm going to take you to a little story in the Bible, probably not one you would expect, but it is also a story of gratitude. And that's kind of the theme that you're kicking off, I think, this week. And so I want to honor the house. And so I'm going to talk about has said love. And I'm going to do a little bit different. Maybe this will help some visitors here if you, if you don't go to church on a regular basis. But I'm going to tell you some things about Jesus, and then I'm going to read the passage and see if you can pick those things out. And then we'll talk a little bit more, and I'll pray for one or two things at the end, if that's okay. So we're going to talk about a kind of love in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's called hesed love. 
It's that unconditional, I don't want anything in return kind of love. It's like that thing when you give people's a turkey, people a turkey and say, okay, okay, what's the catch? Why, why are you giving me a turkey? Do I have to come to church twice? Are you going to clip a coupon for me? And they're like, ah, something's going on. This is California. What's up with this? And then there are those people who just received that has said love. A turkey for us? There's no ways we could have even bought a chicken for Thanksgiving. And you brought a 28-pound turkey? No catch. I can eat it. Do what I like with it. I can chuck it out the window if I want. Whatever you want, sir. Enjoy, as long as you have fun with that turkey. That is a said love. And our whole culture is not filled with much of that. Most of our love in our culture is transactional. Even in our marriages, it can be transactional love. If I take the trash can out, you know we'll cook brisket. Bris, uh, brisket. Yeah, brisket, I'll take that. But she'll cook breakfast. If I take the trash can out and mow the lawn, she'll cook breakfast. And maybe there'll be some romance on the side. Who knows? It comes with brisket. And we can get into very transactional kind of living and it's not the Bible way that we meant to live. I'm going to try and show you that. So let's get to it. Let me just read you a definition, the big idea of a said love. This is unconditional love. Many biblical words such as mercy, compassion, love, grace, and faithfulness relate to the Hebrew word said. But none of these completely summarize the concept. said is not merely an emotion or a feeling, but involves action on behalf of someone who is in need. Do you know of anyone in need? Every single person around us is in need. At work, where we live, at school, every single person has some kind of need. That's how we were designed. That's why this love is there, because there's need out there. His said describes a sense of love and loyalty that inspires merciful and compassionate behavior towards another person without anything back. All of you married, and this isn't a marriage seminar, it just came to mind. You, try some has said love. Real, real has said love over the next week and see what happens. It'll be amazing. It'll be a revolutionary. So, so we're going to talk about um, the story, and it comes from the book of Ruth. You all know the story about Ruth, and I'm going to just uh, I'll build it out a little bit, and then we'll get to it. And um, it's a story of love. It is a romance story. It's not like romantic love, smoochy, smoochy sort of love at first. That does happen later on. There is a marriage and all the rest of it. But first of all, it's about this love where I just love you because I can. I just love you so that the Jesus in me can seep out and touch your life. And we see this in this little, uh, little girl called Ruth that she just loves and loves. She's got a really grumpy mother-in-law. The mother-in-law is so grumpy, she even names herself Mara, which means bitter. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because I'm a grumpy old girl or young girl. She's probably quite young still. And this, Ruth, whose husband has died as well, just loves and loves and loves and loves. And I think the such as time of this creates an environment for us to live that way and change some lives. Because I, I, I'm going to cut to the chase very quickly here. Ruth, by loving her mother-in-law that way, the mother-in-law who says, my, na my name is Naomi, but you from now on will all call me Mara because I'm bitter. God let my husband die. He let my two sons die. And, and this whole thing's over. We were in Moab. We were, we were trying to make a new beginning and a famine and all the rest of it. 
And as Ruth loves her with her said love, she eventually starts to spark again. And in chapter 2, verse 20, you read how she begins to worship God again. She begins to allow herself to be called Naomi again. Why? Did she go to some counseling clinic? Did she come here for a 12-week series or, 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 or you know, sessions with the counselor and all the rest of it? And all those things are good. No, 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 no. She had someone who just came towards her heart every single day in the most sacrificial way and loved her. And I guarantee Every one of us in this room have people like that in our lives who are bitter and uptight and they never want to go to church again or they've never heard about Jesus and it's that grumpy person at the photocopy machine at work and when you, every time they walk past the copy machine it breaks because they're so negative and just give off a horrible discharge of negative vibes and all the rest of it. This story tells us if you go and love that person and just keep on loving, keep on loving, keep on loving, keep on loving, unconditionally, you never get a thank you, you never get a, a card back. I mean, we have this thing in the United States, don't we? And in Australia, so I'm not picking on Aussie. I mean, in uh, on America. Where am I? Like, you know, Jeff gives me something, you know, let's say he gives me a, a football today for whatever reason. Then I write Jeff a thank you for the football. It's going to be on my shelf at home prized position, then Jeff writes me a thank you for my thank you. Then I write him a thank you for his thank you for my thank you. And it's like this weird thing we do in Western culture instead of just enjoying. And a lot of our loving is programmed by the culture. Do you know that? This Father's Day, Mother's Day, Baby Day, Thanksgiving Day, Turkey Day, Christmas Day, Day After Christmas Day, Fire Guy Fox Day. I mean, how many holidays are there that programs our love instead of it just being an automatic thing that everywhere I go, I've got this little radar on, who can I love, who can I love, who can I love? And if you open your eyes, you will see. It could be walking into the gas station instead of using the card at the, the thing outside, going inside, I'd like 20 bucks. How are you doing today, Samuel? Or whatever the guy's name is. Because you have made the effort, and I've made the effort to find out what is your name, sir. And you hear him over here, him saying it's his birthday or there's a little birthday card. The next time you go and you've got a little cupcake, you went and bought down there, you put a candle in, say, hey, Samuel, just for you, I know it's your birthday. Happy birthday, bud. What do you want? You want a discount on your gas or something? No, nope, don't want anything. I just want to say, huh? What? What is this? This powerful tool that's in our midst, folks. It is so powerful. It's a godlike love. It's a generous love. It's a sacrificial love. It's, it's a faithful love. It's a gratitude love. This was a slave girl. She lived in Moab. Moab is a country that, that wor worshipped idols at a very disgusting and terrible level. And then Naomi and Elimelech come and arrive there. She marries into their family, her and Oprah. And, and she gets told about the living God, and there is this gratitude. I don't have to worship a stone or a piece of wood or a dead animal anymore. I now worship the living God. He lives within my soul. And how am I going to show my gratitude to that? I am going to just love on everybody around there, especially mama-in-law. And brings her flying back for the serving Jesus. Come on, guys. Right sitting here is atomic love power. So let's look at the story. So this is what I'm going to do. So let me just summarize it quickly. And then I'm going to tell you some things about Jesus. I love 
the music playing that accompanies me. Thank you, God. I can do a little singing while I'm, I can rap my preach if you want. <laughs> that won't go well. <laughs> so, Elimelech, Naomi, two sons head out of the promised land, the covenant people of God who are under his protection because there's a famine. So they're saying, we do not trust God. We're going to go and make this happen on our own. They go into the land of Moab, which is an idol-worshipping, godless place. They're going to make a new beginning because they can do better than God. Famine hits there, and plenty hits back in the covenant land. Like, God's got a sense of humor. While the famine's on, Elimelech the dad dies, the two sons die. So now it's Naomi on her own, and two daughters-in-law. There's no children yet, which is a big deal in that culture. Because now what are we going to do? Who's going to carry on our line? And so Naomi makes a good call. She says, I'm going back. She says, you two girls, you, you're not from Israel. You need to stay here because that's going to be difficult for you as a foreigner. You've got families here. You can remarry. Your lives can go on. I love you. She's been kind to them. She really has been kind to them. You stay here. The one says, I'm staying. O Oprah. I always say Oprah, but it's Oprah, I think. You st I'm staying. I'm going back to my family. Ruth says, I'm coming with you. I want to be with you. And it's very clear in the story. It says it in the story. I'm just saving a bit of time by not showing you. It says that Naomi has told her about the living God, and she now believes in this living God. And something has changed inside of her. I want to be with you. You're the people of the living God. You're going back to where the temple is. You're going back to the covenant land. You're going back to where the promises are. I'm going with you. I don't care what you say. And so Naomi says, okay, let's go. So they get back, they come into Bethlehem, because they had left from Bethlehem, and we'll get to that in a moment. They come back to Bethlehem, and, and, and Bethlehem, like most little towns, would have had a gate where everything happened. They didn't have internet and iPhones and all the rest of it. You know, as soon as something happens, like, hey, Kelly and Marianne having another baby, it's all out there. Everyone would know within seconds in the life of the church. Well, maybe it's Jeff. I got it mixed up in my prophecy. But at the gate, all the ladies would be there. They'd be swapping, you know, cotton and tomatoes and turkeys and all the rest of it. Naomi's back. All come down there. Naomi, so good to see you. And she shouts at them. She says, don't you dare call me Naomi. God's testimony proves that he does not love me. Call me Mara, the bitter one. She's just grumpy from there. Ruth goes and starts finding food. And one of the things you could do in those days, you could do what's called gleaning. So you could go down to where a man had a farm, and he would have his harvesters, like they would be, they would be harvesting barley in this particular concept. They're cutting the barley down, putting it in sheaves, and some of the barley would fall to the ground, and a poor person could walk behind and pick that up with impunity. You wouldn't be punished for doing that. And it would take you a long time to put a meal together. And you could drink of some of the water. It was, in the law. it was in the law. They were allowed to do that. So Ruth goes down and starts doing that kind of labor to feed her mom-in-law. That is her said love. Because while she was standing right next to Naomi before she went to glean, Naomi gives her whole story and never once mentions Ruth's name. It's like she just doesn't exist. 
She doesn't stop and say, man, and look who came with me. Look who came to support me and help me on this journey. Look who has met Jehovah God. Ruth, my daughter-in-law. Oh, I'm so grateful. It's like, oh, look at me. I'm so, you know, it's so horrible. Look what's happened to me. And Ruth could, I mean, let's be honest. If it was you and me, if we were Ruth, what would we have done? Uh, excuse me. Hi, mom in law. Remember me, Ruth? She doesn't do that because her said love isn't about me. Her said love is about I am going to love on this woman and everyone else who comes into my path. And eventually, I mean, the story is so amazing. Eventually from the story, the line of Jesus comes. Eventually from our stories as we love people, Jesus is born in soul after soul after soul after soul after soul as we love on people. So she goes down to the field. And that is when we find a character in the story who represents Jesus. So you find Jesus in the Old Testament. If you're new to Christianity, it's called a typology. And it's a, it's, a, it's a technique used right through the Old Testament to point us to things that are going to come. So like the sheep that was slaughtered in the Old Testament at the Passover, it is a type of Jesus who is to come one day. So in the story, we see a type of Jesus Christ. It's the man of the story. His name is Boaz. And I'm going to show you seven things that point to him being a picture of Jesus for us here in 2021. And then I'll read the passage, and I want you to pick out, oh, there's a, Jesus, there's a Jesus characteristic. There's a thing Jesus would do. And as you're picking them out, you should be able to say, I can go do this. I can get out these doors and live on people this way. And then we'll draw to a close. So seven things about um, Boaz. That is a type of Jesus. Number one, he's from the tribe of Judah. So if you don't know this, and if you don't, it's not, you haven't failed any Bible study or anything like that, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Uh, from that tribe was promised royalty, so we also get David from that tribe, and then we get the king of all kings. His name is Jesus, and Boaz was from that tribe. And funny enough, he was the highest-ranking leader in that tribe at this particular time of the story that goes on. So, he, so Boaz is a great man of authority, foreshadowing the greatest man to ever come and live on earth. Jesus Christ. Number two, it was all based in the town of Bethlehem. Jesus was from the town of Bethlehem. He was born there. David, King David, who is also a type of Jesus, born in Bethlehem. And Boaz, that is his ancestral town, is Bethlehem. So two times. Number three, the role of Redeemer. So Redeemer, if you're not a Christian or you're new to Christianity, Redeemer means someone who comes and pays the price that you need to pray, pay so that you can be set free. So in other words, a slave. If a slave needs to be set free and the owner says, well, it's a thousand bucks, you would come and pay the thousand bucks and you would be the slave's redeemer because you've paid his price. You've paid his penalty. He can now go free and do what he wants. And so Boaz, eventually, if you read the whole story, and we're not going to get there today, Boaz comes along and says, how much must I pay to get Elimelech's land back so the family can carry on and eventually there can be offspring. There can be remarriage and there can be offspring and the line can carry on. He becomes the redeemer of the family. But he's a picture for us right now of Jesus who comes and lives on this earth, goes to the cross, 
Father, what must I do so all these wonderful people at Chino and in the apartments and everywhere else around here can be free in Jesus Christ, their sins forgiven, they can live a whole different life with a guaranteed eternity. You need to pay for their sins, boys. I mean, with no guarantee we would ever accept. And he goes and dies on the cross, lies in the grave for three days. No guarantee. You to trust totally in the Father. Was the sacrifice enough? Was it perfect? Was it clean? Was it the one? And on the third day, whoever rolled the stone back, hey boy, come on now. Jesus is our Redeemer. Boaz is an example. And in a sense, we show gratitude when we go and love on people, helping them to walk towards the love of Christ and His redemption. I do it out of gratitude. Folks, just think of yourself. If you're born again this morning, you know, I, I think for me, every now and then I've got to really stop and think, what does it mean to be born again? And I know all the theology, but it means I'm not going to a lost eternity. It means I will spend eternity with heaven, I mean, with Him, and with a whole bunch of you, I hope. Hey, you know, let's go and down hang with the Chino crowd this morning, you know, in heaven. That has got to cause gratitude. That has got to lead gratitude. When we break bread every time, it has got to stir gratitude in our hearts. And that gratitude's got to have energy to it. You can't send God a thank you card. But what we do is we go and like, I, I'm just going to take this love and spread it around. And you don't need a church program. You don't have to wait until the elders say, we are now going to have a special program every week that you can love on your co-workers. Here's a little pamphlet, and here's a thing, and there's a thing, and there's a goodie. Just love. You all know how to do that. I think sometimes what I try and think of when I go to a place, and I think, if I was standing behind that counter, what would I want coming towards me as an act of love? Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go write a note. Or I'm going to go and buy a chocolate bar or whatever the case is. And just love on these people. So, he has the role of redeemer. Number four, he's a bride from the nations. He takes a bride from the nations. So remember, he's going to marry Ruth. She's not from Israel. She's from the Moabites. And you and I are not from Israel. We are from the nations. I'm born in Zimbabwe. Yuna is born in South Africa. Some of you probably born in other places. I mean, if you were born in Bria, that's probably a different nation to this nation anyway. And he comes and finds a bride from the nation. It's a picture of Jesus. Number five, there are constant acts of kindness from this man, Boaz. The way he speaks and cares for his neighbors. Now, I'm going to read this passage, see if you can pick up all these things. But he talks to his, his laborers with respect. And they engage back with him. There's, there's some wonderful relationship. I'm still the boss. You work for me. But man, I recognize you as a human being. Do you, do you work with people that no one recognizes as human? That you can love on? Find out the guy earns minimum wage, he's got four kids, he's trying to feed them, his wife's sick. You buy a couple of boxes of groceries, put them in his car. He doesn't even know who brought it, doesn't have to know. 
Because out of your gratitude for the king, you just love on him. I, I want to challenge you this week. Just do one little loving thing like that. See what happens. Ruth's a foreigner. He doesn't have to treat her kindly. The, even by law, he did not have to treat her kindly. Warm, generous posture of blessing. He protects her. He says, he says, listen, Ruth. I've told my men not to come near you. I mean, they're young guys. They're you know, full of hormones. There's a new girl in town. She's a foreigner. We can take advantage of her. He's told them, you go near that girl. I'll deal with you. Protects her. We need to protect our kids and other teenagers in the streets and all the rest of it. Ruth is flabbergasted because it's not normal. She's like, overwhelmed. I've never seen this. I don't know what the, I've never looked up the, transl, uh, the, the definition of flabbergasted, but I would imagine it's like, huh? Can you imagine us walking around Chino and flabbergasting? It's the new ministry at Chino Southlands called the Flabbergast Ministry. I'm a flabbergaster. What does that mean? Come with me and I'll give you a turkey. Let me see what that's about. Yeah, we can do this, folks. That's really easy to do this. You set up, you, all the pieces are in place. You've got probably a little bit of money in your pocket. You've got people who live all around you. You've got people you work with. You've got family members. You've got people you go to high school with, college with. The stage is set for such a time as this. <laughs> it says also he had favor in his eyes. Have you ever looked at someone and you can see they hate you? Or have you looked at someone and you can see there's just love? I watch moms kids it's just you can puke on me you can make me change your diaper 4,000 times today I love you and I know there's people out there that I get an instant twinge and I look at them with anger because they upset me and they make me cross they hurt the church back home and I'm, I'm dealing with this God help me be more of a, a Ruth in male form he had eyes for the poor, the destitute, the broken, etc., 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 etc. And I do want to say this, even um, the rich in the Maseratis, I followed a Maserati here today. If it was one of your elders, there wasn't. Um, even those guys, they need said love in their lives. He would become her kinsman redeemer, that's for another day. He performed deed after deed after deed after her said love. You'll see in the story, he even says to his laborers, hey boys, drop a few extra straws on the ground. She collects something like 60 pounds in one day. That's enough for three months or three weeks for one person. She could never have done that on her own. But the her said love at the back's just like, chuck her a little bit down there, throw her a sheaf over there. Help her, guys, help her. I mean, that's 60 pounds she could never carry it. Someone would have to help her carry it home. And Naomi sees, what, what is going on? God's favor is coming back on our lives. I want to serve him again. Just like the Jesus to come, he loved everyone. This guy loves everyone. He's just kind to everyone. And just like Jesus, Boaz has deliberate targets. And I think that is the poor and, and the broken and the downtrodden and those who are suffering. And, and, you know, I don't know this kind of area, what COVID did to it. Um, You've got to find that. 
and go and love that, you know. Number six, a keeper of the law, and then some. So Boaz kept all the Old Testament, say, oh, okay, now nah, no. There's a whole lot of laws to keep. No, 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 we live by grace now. But this man did live God's will and more. You see, there's this thing we can have in Christianity. I will just do the bare minimum. You know, I go and look up online. What's the average attendance of churchgoers in America today, North America today? It's 1.82. Okay, I'm going to really step out and I'll go to two times a month at church. Now, that's not what it's talking about. The, 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 the law, the, the 400 odd laws given in the Old Testament, you know what one of their main things is? Those things are there as a magnifying glass to reveal the character of God when we live that way. So, for example, the law that talks about young men treat women, young women, with respect and don't, you know, don't interfere with them until you're married. That puts on display that Jesus has died for one woman and one woman alone, and he will not mess her until she is presented to him as his bride in heaven one day. Young guys, you can put, and gals, I'm not just being on the gentleman here, can put Jesus on display through the law. They're there to put him on display. And Jesus went overboard with that. He went further than you meant to do, and Boaz goes further than you meant to do. Not just, what's the minimum? No, no, let's just go max. And then number seven, and I said there's only seven things, so we're well on our way in the journey. He's an abundant provider. This guy, Boaz, just like God, just like Jesus. Look, look what the Father provided you. He provided, provided Jesus. I've got, I got to say to the worship team, the gentleman who led the worship, I so enjoy the worship today. I looked around, and like there's one little dude in front here, hands in his pockets. Now, he wasn't singing or anything, but he's watching us all. Oh, is this for real? He's making his own journey. But his foot, he was in there. Ha, ha, ha. But some of the, you know, as I looked, there were younger ladies here, hands in the air, worshiping the king. Other folks, head bowed down, you know, like a, a sacred sort of stance. I so enjoyed the worship. Because we have an abundant God. He's worth every word we sing and praise him with. He abides fullness where there's emptiness. That's for you and for me, and it's also for us to go and take. And the great thing about God's fullness is as much as you give the fullness away he's given you, he just keeps topping it up. Now, I often hear people say, well, you know, I've heard you on you know, some of your stories of generosity and things people have done for you and given you and blah, blah, blah over the years. What's the secret? Is there a special scripture I put on my wall and pronounce it a thousand times a day? No. Just be generous with what you got. Have we always been generous with all you got? No. We're we on a journey of growth just like all of you in this room. But you got two Coca-Colas, give one away, see what happens. Is it so and reap? No, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about generosity. You and your wife can share a Coke. You probably haven't done that for a long time. Little romance there again. The family line has continued through Boaz. Naomi is cared for in old age. I think old age is a wonderful place to be hesitating people, but also for old age folks to be hesitating others. As an older person, you know, you may not work anymore and you, you, you're 
Retirement may not be as much as you hoped it would be. But man, you have wisdom and you have insight. And I, you know, like, a, like an older lady going teach her, teaching a younger woman how to make apple pie that makes her husband sing. That is, I said, love, man. There's so much we can do. So Boaz fills all the empty places. Then he brings her bread and wine, and she is satisfied. The bread and the wine talks of the Word and the Spirit of God. That's been poured out for us to indulge in. It's been poured out so we can pour that out to others as well. Just a little card with some word on it. Ooh. He keeps it close to other young women so she's not all awkward. He thinks the stuff through. I'm not going to go tell her to have lunch with all the men. That would be awkward. Now you go and hang out with the girls that are part of my team. You go there. You'll be safe. They'll love on you. They'll be good for you and you will be good for them. He thinks it through. Has water drawn for her so she doesn't have to drink the, the, the sort of second-rate water. But they go and got a proper well, they pull it out, that's where you go. Top mineral water of the day. Treats his staff well. And his actions and has said, this, this kind of love, fill her arms, food, fill her stomach, food, and later when he marries her, it will fill her womb. And from her womb will come the line of Jesus Christ. Just from loving. It's amazing. So let me read the passage now. And see if all these things I told you are true. And try and pick out the Jesus bits. And then we're nearly done. I'll just mention a few other things here. So Ruth chapter 2. This great story of gratitude and love and kindness. Chapter 1. I mean chapter 2 from verse 1. Sorry. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite, and just to stop there, it reminds you all the time through the book of four chapters that she's a Moabite, 16 times. The book's just trying to remind us, no, she, she wasn't born Jewish. She wasn't from any of the tribes. We love everybody. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. She's full of faith, this girl, because she's met the living God. And he said to her, Go, my daughter. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. So he's talking to his staff. The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. What a relationship. Then Boaz says to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. They all knew what had been happening. They knew the story that spread all over the place. He said, Please, she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except, except for a short rest. Why is she working so hard? For her mother in law, to feed her, to said love. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen to this guy. Now listen, my daughter. He's not a physical daughter and he's not a national daughter. He's not from the tribe. But there is this godly compassion and love and care and fatherliness in her. Older guys, just to father some young guys will help them on their journey. I'm telling you, man. 
Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. I have not charged the young men. I, I have, have I not, sorry, let me go back. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to them, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for, me, uh, for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that did not know that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then, he, then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. He says, what, you know, why are you doing that? And she's just saying, I oh, trust God. Why are you, Boaz, giving me all this stuff? God's just generous. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed, passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, you know, drop some extra and do not reproach her and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So let's just keep reading. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left after being satisfied. So she had leftovers. She reaped the whole harvest. And her mother-in-law said, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with who I work today is Boaz. Watch this verse now. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. For the first time since Naomi's husband and boys died, this time after she calls herself bitter, she talks about God again. Do you see her heart starting to open again? And starting to be up from what? A little girl picking up breadcrumbs in a field. And just loving on her. And then this guy loving on her. And you know, Naomi hearing back like, oh my gosh, there is a God. How awesome is this? The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvests. Keep protects her. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter. See, she's talking back at her now. She's ignored her now. Suddenly, it's my daughter. It is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young woman, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of bows, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Folks, that's what persevering love looks like. Loving people for the long haul is really hard. I want to be honest. I don't want to make this easy today. Now, Ben Affleck here in Hollywood got up once and he said, 
I want to just thank my wife. He won something again. I want to thank my wife. It's been really hard. You know how much flack he got from the press? The press says if it's real love, it's never hard. It's rubbish. It's a lie of our culture. Real love, real caring, real delivering turkeys is hard. No guarantees, but I do it out of gratitude because I have a king who lives within my soul. That's why we do this thing. Real love is proved by patience and perseverance. Real love will bring healing to unforgiveness. It will bring healing and compassion to anger. And where there's hatred, real love can change that as well. We need, how do we do this? Well, she gave us the answer in verse 20 of chapter 2. It's by God's grace and kindness. And because we live in the New Testament, we have His Spirit within us, folks. And it's by that power that we can persevere and do this stuff. Because I want to be honest, there will be days that you will try and do some of this stuff and people will spit on you. They'll take your turkey and kick it down the road. I don't want anything to do with you people. How do you keep on? It's by, first of all, gratitude to our King and then by letting His life in us loose out of us. And maybe you do get cross and angry. Well, then go and find a corner and work it out with God. I'm sick of this God. I've given that guy 28 turkeys. He always throws it away. Well, boy, just try one more time. Okay, let's go again. See what happens. But the best kind of hope that we get out of the story is guaranteed hope. Because we have Jesus living within our souls. It's a guaranteed redeemer. And because of that, we can live this way. And, and if you're a guest here this morning and you don't know Jesus, man, we would, we would love to engage you. There's guys here and gals as well who would love to talk to you about that. So in a few bits, we're going to go do communion together. And I want to challenge you to two things. I won't, I won't conduct the communion. I'd rather your elders do that because they know you. They know the house. They have that authority to do that here. But I want to ask you two things if you'd be brave enough to do this. So if you got in a plane and um, went with me back to South Africa, I'm just going to talk about this one thing actually. There's a place called, just outside Cape Town, it's called Dadurans, it means thorns. And, and it's like this, it's like this, it's like a valley on the one side of these mountains, and on the other side it's just flat plains. And the ground there is probably some of the most rocky ground you can buy, get in all of Africa. But it's the most expensive ground. Because it grows the best grapes you can find anywhere in the world. Including Napa Valley and all the other ones up the road here. But these are table grapes. They're about that big. And the Germans can't withstand them. And so that part of the world makes a lot of money. The, the mountains, somehow the nutrients come off the rocks in it and get into the soil. Honestly, you could not dig a hole with a pick if you tried to. It's so rocky. And so I was out there. There was a guy planted a church, and you and I went out there, spent some time on his little um, grape farm. And he said, hey, I'm going to go and prune the grapes. Okay. And it's a normal thing. It's a big 
vine you know, fat coming up the ground and then it goes along these wires, all the leaves, and that's where the grapes come. And I honestly for a minute thought he'd lost his mind. He went crazy. And I thought, he's killing his father. He's committing grape suicide. What is going on? And he could see I was totally perturbed. You know, he said, Tom, come here. So I went over and he said, you see these grapes underneath here? They're a little smaller than that. Hey, I said, yeah. He said, you know what? I have to prune a lot of the stuff away because the sun can't get through. So what's happening is the sap and stuff's coming up the vine into the branches to these bunches of grapes. But there's some kind of chemical thing that goes on. When the sun hits them and the sap's inside of it, these things just get bigger and bigger and riper. They, they put them on planes and they fly them to Germany. They don't put them on ships or anything. They fly them out there. But I've got to cut away some of the junk so the sun can shine on them again. This would be my challenge. And this is what I found in my own life, especially over COVID. There were so much layers blocking out God's voice and the sun in my life. And I just had to sit down and do business. I'm not going to worry about that anymore. I couldn't care about that anymore. This is what's important. That's what I'm choosing to do. And just like that, it was like the joy, the sap started to come again. The sun started to shine. And, ooh, I'm feeling better. There's a joy coming back. And all I'm saying, this is all I'm asking you today. Would you be brave enough and bold enough when you serve communion to say, God, I'm asking you today. I'm giving you permission today. Not that you have to give him permission, but hear my heart. Come and cut. There's so much foliage that's getting in the way of who you are and what you want to do in and through my life. And if you are serious, I give you my word, you will go on an adventure you haven't been on for a while. You may think COVID was an adventure. This is going to be another adventure, but it's going to be a good one, I promise you. That's my one request to you today. So let me pray for you, and then I'll hand to your guys. Lord Jesus, thank you for the, uh, the, the blessing of being here this morning. We, we pray for Kelly and Marianne as they serve up Sacramento, Lord. Just wonderful breakthroughs, wonderful God moments. And so, Lord, here we come. In a few moments, you know, each of us, we want you to take us to that place where we can give of all the love you've given us and live in a different stratosphere of Christianity that maybe we've lived in a long time. Lord, we're going to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Some of us, I don't know who's going to do that, Lord, but I certainly am up for it. Would you come and prune all the stuff that's got in the way? Possessions and attitudes and politics and I don't know what they are in each life. Relationships. Those who ask, Lord, would you be faithful and come and prove so we can grow richer and fuller and then we can take that life in us and give it away to others. So bless this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.